Hello, I'm Fern Cotton and this is Happy Place, the show that aims to help you overcome your limiting beliefs about your capabilities. Today, I'm chatting to Bear Grylls. I just know tradition is humans, it's how we're at our best, we're best in the struggle and when we stop pushing ourselves and we stop taking the risk and we stop doing the uncomfortable, we, we stagnate and, and like in nature nothing stands still, it's either going backwards or it's going forwards and I think so much of people's anxieties about change and new things. I, I never forget the words written over. It's written on the barracks of the Commando Training Centre at Limpston. Written there on the on the officers' mess as you go in, comfortable with uncertainty. A former Special Forces soldier, Bear, has for years and years and years been an incredibly well-loved face on our TV screens as the man who's taken everyone from Julia Roberts to President Obama out into the wild for a survival adventure. And yes, there's obviously a huge amount of physical ability involved in that, but it's mental resilience in the face of life's challenges that Bear's particularly interested in. He's written a book called Mind Fuel, and I just love the principles he talks about in it. Pushing yourself into slight discomfort, challenging yourself in new scenarios, that's where we're going to grow. That's where we're going to impress ourselves with things we didn't know we could do. That's where we'll all discover new parts of ourselves, perhaps even exciting parts that deviate from the story we've always told about who we are. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, let's do it. This is the show. Bear Grylls, I think we're going to have a very interesting chat today. Mm. We've got so much to talk about. <laughs> so much <laughs> to talk you. about. Um, because mental health, I know, is obviously well, it's something that I'm deeply passionate about. Mm. But it's something that you have to focus on acutely, whether it's you adventuring or if you're setting up a TV show and people are adventuring. Yeah. And obviously you've written this new book, Mind Fuel, which more specifically looks at mental resilience. And I'm... I'm intrigued by mental resilience because mm. I never quite know if I'm meant to push myself a bit further to cultivate resilience mm. or if I should be slowing down, being a bit softer to seek peace. I mm. never quite know what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, I think there's a balance and a space in life for both, isn't there? You know, it's a bit like going to the gym. You know, when you're in the gym, you train hard and you're sweating. It doesn't mean you want to live 24-7 like that. It'd yeah. be exhausting. Then there's a the time to come home and take a long, cool shower and have a cup of tea. And I think life is that. I think building mental resilience is like that. It's great equipping ourselves with simple tools that can help us before the storms of life come. But one thing we do know is that the storms always do come in whatever fashion. Sometimes it's something spectacular, huge and terrifying and life-changing. For many people, it's just a day-to-day 
struggle and battle and grind. But I think being on the front foot in terms of building our mental resilience or positive mental health or mental fitness or whatever we call it is is a smart thing. And uh, it's obviously not going to solve everything because life isn't like that. And, and mental, mental health is much more complex than that. But um, likewise, going to the gym isn't going to guarantee you're never going to get ill. But it's about doing simple things that are going to make us a little bit stronger and hopefully equip us a little bit better for the storms that do always come. Yeah. I mean, you say in the book, you know, we should always be sort of thinking bigger and and at times really pushing ourselves to our limits. When do you know if you should surrender and step back and go, actually, I'm out? Well, you've gone straight for the million dollar question. Oh, God, have I? Well, it's, it's early. It, no, no, but it's... it's um, <laughs> I've peaked too soon. Is this the end of the podcast already? <laughs> in terms of mental health, you've just hit the summit. You just stumbled oh. onto the summit. Because that is, that's called the wisdom of life, isn't it? Yeah. And, and that comes with time and experience. And, and generally, in my own experience, it comes with failure mm. and figuring and getting it wrong. And sometimes not having a listening ear enough and sometimes pushing too hard and sometimes not pushing hard enough. And, and we learn with experience and through failure where that line is and how to get that balance. But there is always that line and, and you should never be like, I mean, I'm always saying to our kids, never give up, never give up. But there's certain things you should give up in. Smoking. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know, That's probably you know, not a great there, there is a, There's always a time where sometimes we need to, there's there's a different way. We need to hold back. We need to listen. Maybe Maybe the world's telling us something. Maybe our bodies are telling us something. And that's just wisdom and experience and having a good instinct. And I always think instinct is the nose of the mind. You know, we've got to, we've got to listen to it. Because you say in the book that the only times that you've had real regret is exactly for that reason, when you haven't listened. And that's obviously mm. manifested in quite physical, I don't know if they're failures, but stumbling blocks like getting bitten by a viper in Borneo because <laughs> you, you were pushing yourself to the limits in, in that circumstance. Um, how do you live with regret? How do you sit with it? Well, first of all, I think the wild is always a great teacher and it's a great sort of metaphor always for life, isn't it? And sometimes, I've, you're right, I've been bitten not just by the snakes but by the wild because I haven't listened. You, you know, you don't listen to that gut inside at your own peril. In, in life and in relationships and in our dreams and in the wild. And I've definitely been bitten a few times by that, by, you know, not listening. How do you live with regret? I think, you, I think you've got to try and keep your eyes forward. You know, keep, keep, keep your eyes forward, looking, looking back. There are always things we could do better, you know. I haven't said that. I'm not one of these people who, you know, sometimes people go, have you got any regrets? And they go, no, no regrets, no oh, regrets. I've got loads. I know, and I'm thinking, I've got tons. Tons. Yeah, I've you got know? some that I feel really bad about still as well. Like some I feel yeah. complete like acceptance and there's self-compassion, mm. but there's some I feel rotten about. And I think that's completely normal. And and, and good. And it's a s- symbolic of your big heart. Mm. And that's okay. I do. I think the thing of no regrets ever, I'm always thinking, gosh, wow. You know, because... We've all messed up. We've all hurt people. We've all done things yeah. wrong. My regrets are generally about that sort of stuff. But I think a lot of the hard mental struggles people go through is often about looking back too much and beating ourselves up too much about stuff. And and you got to you got to try. You know, it's always easy to say it as more than do it, but try and live in that moment to keep your eyes moving forward. And everything's a lesson, and everything hopefully builds us a little bit and makes us stronger. And we got to keep moving forward and sometimes it's then three steps back but keep your eyes forward and keep getting back up and you know I think tentative steps in life are okay but keep the tentative steps going forward 
Yeah, there's some extreme examples that you outline in the book as well with that mindset of being in the now. And of course, when you're in nature or on a great adventure, you have to be in the now because you need to stay alert and you need to have your your ears and all senses ready for whatever's going to come next. And mm. you mentioned someone that I uh, greatly respect, Alex Honnold. I, mm. I loved the film Free Solo. It terrified me. Mm. I felt utterly sick watching it. Like I was just... <laughs> Seeing him scale. Okay, so Alex scales this. It's a vertical. (laughs) It's just a sheer drop, a vertical cliff that he's scaling without a rope in Yosemite National Park. Mm. It's unfathomable. I don't understand. But you, you say that this was possible because he had this incredible mindset where he's able to oscillate between pure relaxed, a sort of pure relaxed state, but also super engaged state. And I don't know if I've ever experienced that. You know, maybe I try and do that when I'm interviewing or doing a job that requires some nerves. I'm not scaling a mountain, but I think I'd try and land in that place. Mm. But it's a it's a really complex mindset to get yourself in. It's almost mm. paradoxical. So yeah. is that one that you get with practice? I mean, I'm not thinking we're all aiming to scale vertical cliffs here, but for other yeah. moments in life where we need to be alert, but not tense and stressed, we need to be mm. relaxed with it wisdom again isn't it you know it's it's the it's the goal is to to find that that great state and I think it does come with practice that is essentially what mindfulness is 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 trying to practice to be in the present a little bit and Alex's incredible you know feet on on El Cap on on El Cap and you know won an Oscar for that film and it's visceral and beautiful and powerful but was a supreme example of you got to be in the moment. Yeah. You know, and it's that great quote, the past is history, the future's a mystery, the now is a gift. That's why we call it the present. And I love that, you know, the, it, it is the present. It's a great gift. All the great stories, how many great films are there about this? You know, it's like, it's all we have. You know, with the flaws, with the failures, with the struggles, with the everything that comes at us in life, it's what a gift, mm. what a gift. And I think his... You know, his feet was a supreme example of that. And and he's such a lovely guy. And, and in fact, he, I've taken him on a running wild before. And he so he was one of our guests on that show, which which was an interesting dynamic because normally, you know, I'm taking these, you know, these Hollywood folk or sports stars or whatever. They're always rookies in terms yeah, of yeah, the wild, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, but with Alex, obviously, here's, here's a guy who is numero uno. Mm. And, um, and so I was like, Alex, here's a rope. <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> I'm, I'm on your shirt tails, brother, you know. And I remember reaching this rock face with him and, and it was like, you know, vertical, you know, 100 foot rock face. And I said, Alex, will you, I, this is, you've got to lead on this, you mm. know, and just pick a good route and be gentle. And here we go, we're going up this way. And he grabs a rope, starts up this thing. And then I kind of lose him because he goes over this overhang bit and I can't see him. And then the rope sort of stops. It's nothing happens for about five minutes. And I'm like, you know, you all right? And I go, okay, you good? And you go, yeah, yeah, all right, but just really tricky bit at the moment. I'm thinking, oh, I'm dead. you think it's tricky. I'm thinking, I'm <laughs> I, just, I sort of turned to Munger, the cameraman. Munger was like laughing. I'm going, I'm dub screwed, you know. Sean, I was like, Alex sort of hauling me up this thing, you know. But, oh. um, but I lo- what I like about Alex as well is that he's the first to say, I struggle living like that when I'm off the rock. Mm. And I think a lot of life for us is finding our rock, finding our place where we can be in the moment. And it might be jumping out of a plane for somebody. It might be on a rock face. It might be doing a podcast. It might be riding your motorbike or whatever your thing is, you know. 
but there is a magic to things that force us to have that focus and I think a good practice then is to know that feeling and to try and bring it into other areas slowly of our life but that's all of hard it, isn't it though well all to of bring us it into all... the sort of mundane I think that's really hard because in in the yeah. mundane which we all experience because yeah. there's washing to be done or there's you know kids to ferry about or whatever's going on or there's just a you got loads of paperwork whatever it might be to not race forward or back in those moments is so tricky to go how do I apply that mindset to be in the now to have gratitude whatever it might be that's weirdly trickier super hard and yeah. all of us are a massive work in progress yeah but it's it's a, you know it's important in life to know where we're aiming and I think that is a great goal to have it's that thing of it's super hard to get where you want to in life when you know where you're going. It's near impossible if you don't know where you're going. Yeah. You know, it's great to have that goal of like, guys, hold on, just just breathe. It's okay. You know, traffic's bad, but we're super lucky. Kids are at home. They're back from school. They can't wait to see you. Do you want to, whatever the simple thing is. That, yeah. Uh, and that's a... That's a daily practice. You're obviously incredibly mentally strong because of what you do and what you've learned and what you've just imbibed from being in this line of work. But well, I don't know. I wouldn't jump to necessarily that conclusion. You know, I think people do jump to that conclusion, (laughs) and I sit here thinking, "Well, I don't know." (laughs) But in what areas do you then struggle? In which areas do you? How long have you got for the podcast? (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, well, I think I, people need to hear this long list. Well, I'm no, I'm I'm no different you know. really to anyone else. I have a job that involves adventure and I love and I'm rel- relatively okay at. But, you know, beyond that, everyday life is, is you know, we all have our stuff we struggle with. I, you know, I still, I still really struggle with big groups of people. You know, I have done Same. all my life, always quite shy. I mean, I, had, I have an older sister who's really extrovert, eight years older. And always when I was growing up, you know, she'd be like 16. I'd be super shy, sort of eight. She'd be dragging me into a group of that, always smoking and sort of, you know, and then she'd get me to dance like a seal. And I'd be like, I'd be dying inside, but I didn't have the sort of confidence to sort of go, no, you know. So, you know. <laughs> That's such a great picture. I don't know. My, I don't, maybe does it come for that? I don't know. Just, but there were a zillion <laughs> examples like that. You know, Bella, hold on, Bella. I'll get my brother, I'll get my baby brother. To come and eat the raw bacon. <laughs> Watch this, guys. Watch this. It's epic. I'm like, oh, please, no. She goes, I'll give you 10p. Oh, God. I'll go, you know. <laughs> and people go, well, no wonder you have a job eating wacky things. And stuff. <laughs> but it's an, it's not a comfortable place for me. I struggle with the cameras. Really struggle with Do cameras. Do you really? Really struggle. I would never, ever have guessed that. You know, just almost the word is hard for me. I, I like, I really. And In terms of what, what bit do you not I like, don't like the camera. Seen? I just yeah. don't like the camera. I'm really really happy you know look at where we are now. i'd be re- if, you, if you want to really make me happy let me lie on that grass with simon with the your cat, cat <laughs> in the sun he's having a great time you know and we're, you know that's you know so anything with the cameras here you know i do it's my job and you know kind of get on with it it's fine it's fine and also i kind of not scared to do the things that are i find difficult i actually yeah. think yeah. that's not a bad thing in life and and it's definitely part of mind fuel is embrace the uncomfortable be comfortable with the uncertainty do the difficult stuff do it long enough and we get stronger i know that but it doesn't change the fact that it is a tricky difficult anxious making place for me yeah. and those who know me and are my close friends know it all too well and and even our camera team they go okay just for good no you know somebody new comes into the camera team just never say action 
just 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 quietly tell <laughs> the camera let's just, oh, right, let's okay. just keep moving we just, we just keep, keep moving and it's always like that you know yeah. and, and then it's like i'm just with a bunch of guys and we're and we're out there and we're going, we're going this way come on come on down down you you take that one and uh it's going to be a blast here we go and that's really the spirit of the tv shows i've always done and running wild but it's essentially born out of trying to get away from the cameras. And it's a running joke with the Running Wild crew. It's like, where's he gone? Where have they gone? You know, and then I've sat with the guests and they're, we're chatting and they go, this is so nice, but it's not on camera, is it? I go, no, but they're catching yeah, it's great, yeah. You know, and you get another conversation anyway, but <laughs> I was thinking the bulk of it happens when I've successfully managed to evade the crew. <laughs> it's okay. so funny. I mean, I, I probably feel... Similar. I think when I'm doing a podcast, I almost forget that we're even filming it and I'm more conscious about, oh my God, what what opinion should I put forward here or what story should I tell? But I think I've got a discomfort with sort of presenting in front of a camera because I think, oh, I don't know if that's really me. I don't know if that's... Yeah. And I, I definitely have the big crowd thing. I'm not good mm. in, at big parties or any of that. I feel, and my husband's exactly the same, like very anxious about it mm. i much prefer one-on-one or small yeah. groups and so much nicer yeah it, but it's interesting how it gets wor- i find it gets worse over the years yeah, it does it, it like, absolutely i'm does. really trying to stop this decline because it's a really bad decline it's like yeah. come on yeah and actually shara is great my wife is, is she's great she you know she's she's much more she loves i mean she doesn't like a massive part of it she's much more kind of comfortable with stuff she's always going like come on i mean i actually even broach now i said like come on we're going it's fine yeah but it's interesting but it's not again. a happy place and some people get yeah. energy from mm-hmm. it don't they and some people get drained, drained from it and i've seen that so much in my my job as my role as chief scout you know we're always going around these huge scout camps and i love that it's a wonderful kind of energy from so many of the scouts hearing their stories doing amazing stuff but it is also quite dra- i find it quite draining and it's interesting whenever i've taken like guests along to come and join me for a day or something Often at the end, they go, oh, I'm buzzing. They're like, they're like, hey, man, I'm buzzing. The adrenaline, I'll be signing autographs all day and like selfies all day. And I'm like, I'm broken. Yeah, I'm lying on the floor broken. in a pool of my you own know. blood. Yeah. And it, I find it really interesting seeing some people sort of get a real, and I kind of wish I was more like that. Yeah, more, I think really. it's an extrovert introvert thing. Like the trait is yeah. that, are you drained or are you boosted? Is and I am thing? absolutely yeah. drained. Are you, so you like that? Absolutely drained. Yeah. I, I, I can take... You know, I feel, feel very excited being in groups of people and whether we're discussing something or just, you know, having a laugh. Mm. But I need absolute solitude to yeah. counter it massively. Yeah, good. That's really nice to hear. <clears throat> yeah. That actually really... We're not alone, Bear. Me. We're not yeah, alone. there's a very good book on this and I can't remember what it's called now. But anyway, it sort of affirms the fact that that's, that's okay. It's a thing. It? It's okay. completely a thing. Do you know what I love about this book? It's a very individual, unique concept in that you've gone through... 365 days of a year, but every two days, sort of thematically, there's something for us to mull over, but also questions to ask ourselves that I found really interesting as a sort of personal exercise. Like, what mm. what is the answer to that question? Do you yeah. is that something that you've sort of implemented into your day over over years that you'll ask yourself questions, challenge yourself, challenge your opinion, challenge well, your own questions limits. are really good, aren't they? And actually yeah. we wrote this with, you know, we spoke to so many psychologists and psychiatrists and mental leading mental health experts and stuff. And one of the things that always came back is always put it back then to the reader. And I think that's smart because you, you, you talk about something you say, maybe, you know, 
here we go, talk, you know, going for a walk with a buddy, you know, the healing benefits, the scientific things of actually why this is so good or whatever we're talking about. But then at the end, just throwing it back going, do you sometimes avoid spending that good time with a good friend for various reasons? You know, whenever you put it back to the reader and it's like, oh, gosh, I do do, do probably do that. And it throws it back and it's always challenging for all of us, but it's only ever meant to be empowering and like, oh, and it's like, you know, maybe, maybe how would it feel to reach out today and ring an old friend and say you miss him? You know, the question is always more powerful than ring an old friend. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's having self-awareness, I guess, then, isn't it? And knowing what your own traits are and I guess what your own limits are and yeah. how far you can push yourself. My brain's jumping all over the shop, but I've just had another thought and it kind of links to us talking about the introvert extrovert thing. And I wonder, as you seem to have had a sense of that when you were a kid, I think I probably did as well to an extent. I had a sense that I found big crowds or I was certainly tired after going to birthday parties, things like that. Do you think you kind of lean towards adventure and taking yourself off, imagining quite a lot of the time when you were younger, solo, Mm. to get that space, to get away from people. It was totally that. It came from two reasons. One is that, one, I used to love doing that with my dad. You know, my late dad was a, had been a commando, you know, Marine, loved loved all the outdoor stuff and always my time, it was fighting to get back from school just to be able to go with him, even if the weather was terrible, just something about sort of being out together and we'd climb these little tiny little things like 100 foot steep scrambles up these you know muddy banks and you'd always be end up wet and covered in mud and you know together and that just that time with him was really special and I think subconsciously it's always about just that the bonds the 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 togetherness the laughing the, the 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 wind the rain the healing nature of all of that it's all happening accidentally to me as a kid and I didn't even know it yeah that was one the other one them was was dodging dodging my bossy sister when I was there. And listen, I don't want you to get pressed. My sister and me are super close. And she's <laughs> she's one of. I don't want her listening to this podcast. Yeah, yeah thanks, Beth. I can see the days where <laughs> Beth. Everyone tells me I'm really bossy. You know. But um, I think my brother would say exactly the same about me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but so my sister's amazing. But I would definitely always. I quite like just taking myself off down the garden and had it built an epic tree house. And I loved loved that, and I, I spent so much time. And I think because I was that much younger, it's almost like a bit of an only child for a lot of those years when she was away at school. And I loved, um, I just loved that. So those became comfortable places. And then also, I think when I went to school, I, I was the one thing I was good at was was climbing. I wasn't particularly brilliant at all the other stuff, but I found one thing: I was always the kid that could climb the highest building up the drain pipe and you know I was good at that stuff and I got called my nickname at school was monkey you know (laughs) yeah so it's either bear or monkey do you know what I mean the clues were there so I suppose those were spaces that allowed me to retreat a little bit yeah I mean one of your first major adventures was when you reached the summit of Everest at you're 23 is that right which is no mean feat and there are incredible risks at play when you do something like that do you think you've always been quite good naturally at being able to I don't know if you um sideline the risks but sort of understand them but not let them stop you doing what you want to do it's a nice way of putting it but I think it's not it was not as articulate as that for me it was more like I think at a young age I was just out I wanted to make my mark you know and I think I'd just that Everest stuff happened after I'd had to leave the job I was doing in the military when I broke my back in that freefall accident and spending all that time in hospital that was 
definitely for me a real struggle and a dark time of something I can do the job that I'd love to do and I'd done and been was such a huge part of my life was all my life at that age you know in in the military and suddenly now I can't even reach a bathroom you know without being like crying in pain and it's like this is this is this is hopeless this is hopeless you know what I can't what am I going to do and I think coming through I the thing that helped me so much in that hospital was just having a real goal. And even though it was a crazy goal of Everest and it felt like such a distant goal, it was something to hold on to. And I'd had the dream as a really young kid with my dad. We always had a, always had a picture of Everest on my wall and it was just a kind of thing, you know. And in some ways, I wonder if I hadn't had that accident to actually bring this thing into kind of focus of like, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to reach a bathroom without pain. I'm going to I'm going to reach the next floor of this hospital up the stairs and then I'm going to figure out how to get down the stairs and then I'm going to do two flights and I, do you know it became I could just break this thing down and it was subconsciously a symbol for me of that's what I, I'm not going to be beaten by this and I'm one day going to stand on top of the world and I think I look at it now part, such a big part of it was that but also wanting to make my mark I was like I'm going to come back and I'm going to I'm going to be better and stronger than ever before and it was like almost a desperate sort of act in a way but I really wanted it was that symbol of my recovery and it was flawed in so many ways because it needs to always come from inside and the risk taking you know Everest at the time was killing one in six people who reached the top to me those statistics were just fuel and almost romantic and it's like no I'm gonna we're gonna defy the odds and you know it's blind it's blind in some ways and I look back now and I kind of, you know, I wonder, yeah, you don't, I don't, you don't need to make your mark in life. You know, you don't have to climb that kind of, that kind of thing. But small, but things that give us hope have real value, whatever they are. And even though it was kind of flawed and there was a romantic sort of craziness about it. And now I understand the reality of what 106 mean. You know, we lost four people up there. I came back in some ways less confidence than I went. You know, I'm less sure of it all now. But at the time, it was such a symbol of like, this is what I'm going to do. And it was it was a bit more blind to the risks, I think. I think most that of sense? us a bit absolutely of a ramble, makes sense. And I think probably in our teens and 20s, if you're lucky enough to have kind of grown up without any massive trauma, you, you are kind of up for trying things and taking risks. And there's certainly things that I did, even like silly things back in the day that I think I'd never do that now. And I think it does get harder to take risks as you get older. And I guess the danger is becoming completely stuck and not taking any risks. And I think it, it, it is, Which it just is, gets harder. The greatest risk. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's true in yeah. terms of our life, in terms of our happiness, in terms of our nothing. relationships, in terms of our aspirations. I go, you know, we as humans are designed to struggle and to fight and to strive. We forget and that. And to fail, you know, and it, the clues all around us in nature. You know, look what happens to a pond in nature when you dam it up and you stop that water moving, you know, just get stagnant. You know, we're, we're designed for the, the white water and the off the cliffs and, you know, that, and creates life and oxygen and power and energy. And, you know, so we was never never lose a risk-taking spirit mm. i think with wisdom comes a, a, an understanding of how to manage risk you know yeah. you've got to stay alive you're you're a mum you're a dad you've got a lot to live for you know you've got to make smart choices you know or me on running wild with these guests i've got their lives in my hand you mm. can't be a, don't be a 
Don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, be smart. <laughs> keep them alive. Leave the ego behind. Get it right. Yeah. That, that's, that's a given. But within that, we should never lose our risk-taking, embracing spirit of like all in. You know, look at, look at. I find that so liberating because I, I I can have quite an anxious disposition and think no no, especially well I think since becoming a mum, you know before in my twenties I was quite reckless at times in lots mm. of different ways and I would go all over the shop all around the world try new things and do whatever and, and since I have kids I've become very like oh I don't want to even if it is about travel I don't want to jet lag them or what if that does, what if this happens and that doesn't happen and I tie myself in knots with what ifs mm. and mm. then I am like static and I don't do anything yeah. and I feel really clipped and sometimes edgy and frustrated mm. and I find it really liberating you saying no we're built for this we're built for the white well, waters way more than we ever imagined yeah. Capers. and also with our kids the kids are so, they, they, you only build your resilience through those times of yeah you're jet lagged yeah but yeah help your sister still with the cases come yeah. on you know it's okay you're gonna you're gonna wake up tomorrow morning it's I need okay. this bear keep you know? speaking but I, <laughs> I do think I just know tradition is humans it's how we're at our best we're best in the struggle and when we stop pushing ourselves and we stop taking the risk and we stop doing the uncomfortable yeah we we stagnate and and like in nature nothing stands still it's either going backwards or it's going forwards and i think so much of people's anxiety is about change and new things yeah. but i I'll never forget the words written over it's written on the barracks of the commando training center at limpston Romarine's base you walk in written there on the on the officer's mess as you go in etched into the wood comfortable with uncertainty mm. powerful words three words comfortable with uncertainty it's like lesson one you're going to need to learn here is not how to do press-ups it's not how to shoot a rifle it's not lesson one is embrace that change get comfortable with the uncomfortable with the uncertainty and most people aren't and when we are confronted therefore with the uncertainty we panic. Why do we panic? Purely because we're not used to it. Yeah. You know, but when you're used to it, it's a muscle. We train it. We get used to it. Then when you're thrown into a proper storm, that muscle is strong. You know, and it's a daily, dis- it's a daily discipline to do the difficult. I see it all the time. It's the one unifying factor I see on every running wire guess I've ever taken. Bear in mind, all these guests, they're top of their game. They're sort of, you know whether it's as an actor or a sports or a musician, then they're off the top of the game. But the unifying factor is a willingness to make themselves vulnerable and do the uncomfortable. Mm. They don't need to come on Running Wild. They don't need to trust me with their lives. They don't need to trust the show with their brand. You know, they're top of the game. They don't need to risk that. But, but there's, an, there's a willingness to always do the uncomfortable, embrace that uncertainty. And they love it. And it's what gives a glint in their eye. I mean, we were speaking earlier of Joe, you yeah. know, Ronnie, you know, Joe Woods. What's the, what's the exact relation? But no, sort of. So, sort of... Joe Wood is my husband's, well, she was his stepmom for a very, very long time. Yeah. So, still classed as his stepmom. Yeah. And so, Ronnie Woods. Our kids ex, call her ex, Granny Joe. She's yeah. Granny Joe in she's, our house. She's a legend. But she's a legend. We were talking about her because she did the island a few yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah. And you said to me before we saw you, said, I remember Joe coming back. She had a light in her eye, yeah. and you found, and you can't, you can't buy it. No, you know, drugs isn't going to give it to you. You know, status isn't going to give it to you. Power, money, no, you got to earn it. And she earned it. She earned it a hard way on a month on an island through blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah, but there's a power to that, and it's also how we're designed. It, what happens in those moments, right? It's not just a case of oh, I was really strong there. That felt good. It feels almost like when you go through. 
uncertainty and you come out the other end that you discover a new bit of yourself altogether. It's like an expansion, an opening of sorts. Like, oh my God, there's a whole new bit of me I didn't even realise. And again, that is liberating because Mm. sometimes we can get very stuck in... I'm like this, this is what I do, these are my limits. And actually, yeah. that's a load of nonsense. It's a story. It's a story. It's a story we tell ourselves and we tell the story long enough, it becomes us. Yeah. But life isn't exactly that bit you described, that bit that's liberating and fun. You're creating new neural fibres and muscular yeah. fibres and spiritual stuff. And it's, it's, you know, that's where life is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, so let's think about people out there listening to this who are very fired up by this and thinking, this sounds great. I want that. I want that feeling. I want to feel maybe a bit more uncomfortable in situations and learn from that, whatever. There will obviously, of course, be people out there who have experienced trauma in you know varying degrees that feels like a real barrier to trying new stuff or doing something again. I've certainly got that. I've talked about it endlessly and without solution, but I find it very challenging to do live radio. Mm. I haven't done it for a very long time. Mm. Um, it just feels like I can't go there anymore. And that's a perhaps a small example. There'll be people with much bigger stumbling blocks where they think, I can't get hurt again. Mm. I don't want to mm. feel whatever feelings they've experienced. And you give the example again, a brilliant example of uh, Maya Gibera. Is that how you say her name, I think? Mm. And she's a Brazilian surfer who had a terrible accident on an 80-foot wave, spinal injuries, facial injuries. But then somehow, when she recovered, went back out and became the female record breaker, Mm. 70-odd-foot wave that she surfed impeccably. How do we metaphorically paddle back out? What gets Mm. us to that point of, you know what, I can try again? Mm. Well, first of all, you will do it on live radio. You know, that's your story. Sick about you know, it. It's a story. Oh. It's just a story. And that's, that's you know, that's why I say when Everest is a state of mind. You know, we all have them. We all have them. You're right. We must never belittle the things, that, you know, because sometimes people face some giants in their life. And those giants, whatever, however we see them, they're very real and they're very powerful people and they can be very scary. Yeah. But all I know is that when the giants come and we all have them, those green monsters on you know on our back that are kind of difficult the really scary stuff when we run it gets worse same in the wild you run you run from the wolves you're dead yeah you know you're in the water with the sharks you start panicking your food you know you got to swim strong you know And, and I think it's the same with life the only way over our fears and the only way to that living energy we just be talking about is always forward, is always towards the difficult stuff, you know. So whether that radio live thing for you or whatever it is, somebody, however big, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. No. And it doesn't matter how big it is. The way over them is to face it and start doing little things towards it. You know, it's like my, my mother-in-law is riddled with anxiety and a lack of confidence at the moment after COVID, you know. 
And, you you know, to many people, it's like, oh, you know, it's like, come on, get over it, you know. But for her, it's a raw and real. And she just goes, come on, I can't do anything. And, you know, with her, it's like, Vinny, ring your daughter, ring Shara, tell her you love her. <sighs> I can't do that. Text her then. Text her. You know, yeah. small steps. And, it, and that's now moving forward. And yeah. it's baby steps for something that's, you know, in the grand scheme, not that big a deal. But we all have things that to us are a big deal. But all I know is when we stop doing them, they get bigger and scarier. Mm. And her not texting Shara or ringing Shara or whatever, it just becomes bigger and worse. And, and then she won't do it for longer. And, and you've got to try and take just little incremental steps. And it's literally like a muscle. Yeah. Like our biceps, you know, how do you get your biceps bigger? You, you work it, you break it down, you feel the pain, you do the difficult, you struggle on that curl and then you rest. You know, for you, for your life, I, I'm super excited for you when you, and you know, your story, like, like the surfer, yeah. you know, the great stories of our time, the great movies, the great books it will be your triumph, your Oscar, your Emmy, radio, whatever the equivalent oh God. is. You know? Got to stop paddling back out, paddling back to radio but it, too. But it, if, if for no reason apart from, and it's nothing to do with the radio or, no, you know, eventually not. winning the it's radio all, yeah. Oscar or whatever that, that is, it's not about that. It's about you embracing the the part that is, is primal and is good and thrives and struggles mm. despite our fears. Yeah. And we all have the fears. That's why... I find it difficult when people go, oh, you're fearless, or you're so... It's like, no, I'm not riddled with them. Riddled with them. You're just but good it, at facing them. But it's okay. Just I know the answer to my fears. Same yeah. with skydiving now. So I find after my accident, still horror <laughs> for me. You know, that roar, the door, and that, you know, <sighs> terrible. But I know the answer to the fears. You've got to face them. You've got to try and move towards them. And there's a power to embracing the difficult. Yeah, like I remember reading back in the day, Suzanne Jeffers' Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway and just going, oh my God, I'm going to have to change so much because I really need to like... And I did, whilst reading that book, this was probably 15 years ago, I remember reaching out to somebody that I'd found a real sort of barrier with and and it was terrifying, but it actually felt so much better than not reaching out and just yeah. sort of sitting there and... I guess we just How need to sort of... that the case? Though, we need yeah? to get used to just feeling a bit terrified and a bit scared. But even if it doesn't work, yeah. it's better than not doing it. And this is not ridding ourselves of comfort. We have to have both, but it's sure. not just sitting in, I just need to feel comfortable and safe. But it's, it's... like the gym. You yeah. can't be at the gym yeah. 24 hours a day. Yeah. You've got you to do your half an hour and then go and have the cup of tea and get comfortable. Yeah. But you've got to train the uncomfortable part. So important. Talk to me about mentorship, because that's obviously a very important thing in your world, and it's something that I feel has been, um, I don't know, we've just sort of eradicated it in terms of on a normal societal level. Unless there is a structure in place, like luckily my son has a mentor at school, which has been massively helpful to his development and, and where he's at. But that, I think, is quite rare. And I've found myself later down the line finding accidentally a mentor who's a friend but has very openly said, I'm willing to mentor you in, in different ways. And we've got real sort of solid boundaries within that structure of what it means and what I can ask and what I can't, etc. And I feel very lucky to have someone that I can. She's not a therapist. She's just mm. she's a mentor for me in life. And I, I feel so grateful that I've got that. I know that that was probably an earlier realisation for you because you lost your dad at a very young age and you instantly felt 
that loss of mm. that guidance and and having someone to be able to go to and share mm. your thoughts and and your worries mm. how how did you find a mentor down the line and how do you think we can really implement mentorship in in modern life gosh <laughs> um i did i definitely felt bereft of that mentorship i think that's probably what i found hardest losing my dad was just at a critical age when Shara and me were just getting together 24 just getting married starting out on our life and then Shara's dad died in our first year of marriage and then 10 weeks later out of the blue my dad died and suddenly it was like year one of marriage you know mid early mid 20s and it's like the anchors have gone on both of us and I think, you know, and I was struggling, what am I going to do for work? I'd finish the military stuff, I was scratching around trying to figure out life. And, and I think that I really missed that time, you know. But then I kind of think, I also he had it, I had it so good for when I was a kid, you know, and it felt so soon to lose it. But I think the great story is always, it's always five minutes too early, isn't it? And you feel that breath. But actually, the really important stuff you've had. You've had it in those young years of, of love and support and encouragement. And I look back when I was like eight, always like whenever I had bad school reports, you know, my dad never minded. You know, he'd go straight to the effort bit down the bottom. He'd go, look, you smashed it on that. It's the only thing that mattered. The rest of details, you know, be a good friend to people. You know, have a dream and, 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 and don't listen to the dream seeders that are going to tell you you're daft. Just you be unashamedly, I'm going to go for that. I'm going to fail often and, and my effort grade up here is going to stay up there. You know, the rest of details. And I'm like, oh, I'll roll my eyes or whatever, you know. But it's so right, you know. And actually he'd equip me with the important stuff. But I, I definitely, as the years went on, there's so many times I wanted to say, oh, what do we do here? Or what do we do here? And I think now it's a role, isn't it? As us as parents, you're, you're, you're a wonderful mum and we've got three boys. And, you know, it's, it's the most important part of our journeys is trying to pass on the, the good stuff. Uh, you know, I've had, I've had a couple of people who've really helped me over the years. But I think so much of the real stuff I've learned just through failure. <laughs> you know, I really do. I look back and I think, gosh, if I had never gone, that was a really bleak, dark time where I felt, where do I go here, left or right? And I, and, I, and I didn't have the answer and I went the wrong way and then I went the wrong way again and then I picked the right way by luck and then, you know, endless sort of crossroads of failures and get back up and go again. And, and I do think if you fail enough, you get there. And sometimes this message gets lost on, it gets lost on our kids, it gets lost on, I see it with young scouts, you know, young people are often very averse to the failure because it always mm. makes us vulnerable. But it's the only way to progress. It's just that stepping stone, that doorway. It's you, we've got to go through it. And sometimes our boys go, "Oh, Papa, you 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 hit gold on that, or you smash on." It's like, yeah, but do you know what? Look, look, look behind the look behind the door of that one, because you know I actually listed out our TV shows and the number of different series we've done that have been failures to them over the years. And it was something like for the six, five or six series over the years that have worked. There were something like 25 separate shows on separate network that have failed. Mm. In fact, I went so far as to say to our boys, I said, in terms of the number of separate TV shows on separate networks, I've had more TV flops than any other person in history. I can't, I cannot think of another person across any genre. I might had, be able to beat you on that. I don't had so many. I mean, it's like 30 cancelled series on mm. different, you know, and they were, oh, I don't even know about that one. But, but, but that's the point. Yeah. And I, I'm not, 
I'm not ashamed or embarrassed by any of those failures because they're the stories, they're the scars, they're the marks, they're the, they're the stripes that I wear with pride Yeah, that got you to the good stuff. We're so worried about what other people will think about us if we fail openly, you know, if someone sees us fall flat on our face. I think we're there's a part of it where we think, oh, that hurt a bit. But the bigger piece is, what will everyone think of me? I think we're so flawed mm. by that. And, yeah. and I think that's probably only getting worse because the of social is media. would be relieved. Relieved. You know? Like, oh, you're failing too. Good. So good. <laughs> Thank goodness you're part of the human race. Exactly. I actually really noticed that. When I first started doing TV and I was like really proud of a show and I get my friend, go, go, check this out. It's going. I was like, no. And everyone's a bit like, oh. And then I learned over the years when people sort of ask stuff as how stuff's going, I stop kind of saying, oh, that won or that got an award or that. I started going, oh, a few battles at the moment. But anyway, anyway, how are you? And they go, oh, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, I'm having yeah, a nightmare. You know, and then they're away on their stuff. Yeah, it's connective. Sorry. It's really it's, connective. Um, yeah, so I think people love you all the more for the failures. Yeah. And and it's part of life and, and nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, I love that quote of, that 104-year-old who was interviewed in the newspaper the other day, and they said, so um, what's the best What's the best thing about being 104? She went, no peer pressure. Brilliant. You know, finally, she can actually, she, this is not, who's she performing for? She reads a book, she likes to see if she'll, you know, have a cup of tea with 10 sugars and if she wants, you know, she knows, she's no one to impress or yeah. worry what they're going to say. Mm, I think <laughs> we're so stumped by that constantly. But how powerful to live like that? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think we... We'd probably be all living very different lives if we did feel completely liberated from what other people yeah. thought about us or, or, or the commentary. But people say that we all have two phases of our lives. One is, one is when we're so we we do everything in anticipation of how people are going to react to this. You know, all every motivation for everything is what are people going to think of this, or or how do I look in this, or how do how you know. And then the other, the second half is like, it's it's okay. Don't just just let it. This is who you are. Yeah, and it's good and it's bad. It struggles and it's doubts and it's and it's like, but it's okay. It's like here we are. Yeah. And um, and some people hit that phase in their twenties. Some people in their eighties. Some people maybe never get there. But invariably, when you meet people and it's 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 honest, you warm to them and they're they're living in they're living in a happier space. Yeah. Because it's less exhausting. Yeah. So that I guess. It's good to try and get there. It is. And you know when you've met someone like that, it, there's a sort of magnetism about them. You want to be around them because you think, I want to live as sort of authentically and honestly as that. And it, it, you get a real sense of it when you meet people. I've certainly interviewed people. Well, I'm getting that sense certainly from you as well. You know, you're led very much by what you believe is is right for you. And there is so much less concern about the sort of general consensus, which is, yeah, certainly what I'm aiming for. A word that you said a moment ago is something that I'm very, it's a word that I'm fascinated by. And that's probably because I think the world we find ourselves in is one where we want the quick fix. Mm. There's seemingly lots of answers. If you read this one book, if you take this one supplement, if you, whatever it is, you do this one practice that everything's going to, you're going to be fixed. It's mm. all going to be fine. And actually, seemingly the key to everything, and you could probably apply this to, I'm imagining all parts of life, is discipline. And no one really wants to hear that. It's mm. a bit boring. It's mm. hard work. It means I've got to do it every day forever. Mm. But it probably is the key to a lot of our 
peace and probably happiness. Well, I think it it gives us a structure and a framework to build the good stuff. But I think also you don't have to do those. You know, it's, that can feel a long road if you've got to do it forever, every day. You know, I think you've got to give yourself and each other space to, you know, it's okay. Sometimes you're not going to feel like that. That's okay. But it's about your direction, isn't it? It's about saying, having a discipline of like doing your best. You know, sometimes sometimes doing your best, you can't even get up. I know people is, you know, and, and you can't, I don't want to ever belittle that, you know, it's, it's something you're going to have that, but, but doing your best and trying to put a structure, you know, is going to give you like scaffolding thing to get to the good stuff. You know, you're never going to get up there if you've got no framework ever to build upon. And all these, all great things in life take a bit of hard work. You know, they, they take trying to force, I mean, there's that great, my mum always used to say that lovely quote of, well, it's a hard quote in some ways, but it says commitments doing the thing you said you'd do long after the mood you said it in has left you. Mm. And all of us go, oh, I'm going, ah, <laughs> tomorrow I'm going to do this. And it's where the oh, pints in hand and we're going to run the mile or what, you know. And then, but when 6 a.m., mm. you know, you, when you don't feel like it, it's where you see what people are made of. And I'm not saying we've always got to be brilliant because if you're just a total ninja on discipline, it's it's quite annoying, you're quite boring, you're quite <laughs> unhuman and and there's no fragility in it and life yeah. is all about the fragility. But I'm saying trying to build in structure and discipline is is a key to all the good stuff. And as you say, it's a, it's a boring skeleton upon which all the the muscle and the good stuff gets yeah. built. I mean, because in the book you talk about optimism as being a habit rather than it being just, you know, that is how you were born, that's your natural mm. sort of stay, is because, again, I think most people listening to this will either have previously found themselves in a bit of a negative loop or they might be in one now. I've mm. certainly been in that that mental state where just everything seems to be going wrong and, mm. and you can't see the wood for the trees and everything just feels a bit bleak. And actually, you can get into a, a better, mm. healthier habit of optimism isn't just going to be for certain people. Anyone can be optimistic, but it, again, probably totally. requires a bit of work. Yeah, and it's a habit. Like you say, both are habits. Yeah. You know, being negative or being positive. It's the habits that we, that we actually have trained ourselves to be. Yeah. Whether it's the good or the bad, we're, we're responsible for it. And habits, when you form good ones, can feel really clunky to start with because you're on day one. Yeah. Well, day 20 is still feel clunky, but but that state of mind to actually choose this thing and before you know it, it becomes you. And I do think the thing of enthusiasm or positivity is it's not something you're born with. And, you know, I, I always remember being told being the most enthusiastic person, you know, and you won't go far wrong. And it was that thing of like, I'm going to OK, I'm going to put it on like a T-shirt, like a pair of socks in the morning. I don't feel like it, but I know. One thing for certain, the day's going to be better if I tack it like that. And people go, well, why are you enthusiastic? And it's like, well, there's such an easy answer to that. The alternative. Mm. The alternative, I'm going to be cynical. I'm going to be bad-tempered. I'm not going to, you know, what? And and I think if you put the T-shirt on, that positive habit, whatever it is, put it on long enough. Some days you go bare-chested. You know what? It doesn't matter. Whatever. I'm just not doing it. But if you're trying to move forward and putting on the t-shirt and the good pair of socks and the enthusiasm and the positivity and the kindness or whatever it is eventually they become you mm. yeah i mean i don't want to spoil the end of the book but you do end with a lovely thought that diamonds are formed under pressure that sort of leaves us thinking about reframing pressure essentially rather than thinking of it as an awful thing a terrifying prospect it mm. actually can 
cause something quite beautiful to happen? How do we stop pressure from completely squashing us? How do we emerge a diamond? Yeah, I think I think just not being scared of the squeeze times. You know, squeeze times are opportunities. Storms are storms are a chance to show your character and create your character and 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 stand up and show who who you know who you can be. It's not necessarily who you are now, but who, who you can be. You create your own. You can create your own stories in those. You know, it's hard to create the brilliant stuff when everything's just easy. You know, you create character and and the diamonds under the pressure. You know, it's, it's you know nature's always our best teacher. You know, you take the coal, put it under ten thousand square pounds beryllium or whatever, and you, you know eventually a thousand years later the diamonds come out. And I think so many of us avoid the pressure situations because they expose us. But that's okay. If you don't mind sharing a bit of the vulnerability that ironically everyone's going to love you for anyway. Yeah. If you're not scared to fall down a few times and the odd explosion of the cold blasts out as black dust and it doesn't work, but everyone's going to laugh and love you all the more for it. If you're not scared of that and you do it enough and you and you you know, you're building life and energy and that's pressure. Look what squeezing does. It creates energy. Look at wind over a mountain as it hits it, it compresses, gets faster. You know, and eventually you, know, you get you get the diamonds. But one thing I know is you don't get the diamonds without the squeeze. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's not the way it works. And, and you know, you, I can speak to any of my running wild guests. I speak to any of your podcast guests. Nobody gets the good stuff without the, the struggle. Yeah. And the irony is it's the struggle where life is. It's so interesting because probably in the last 20 years, we've been given a really extreme example of that which we've celebrated and I'm not casting a shade on these TV shows or whatever. I'm merely sort of observing what they've perhaps represented. And that is the overnight success of someone who wins a reality show or becomes extremely famous, which we then probably conflate with some sort of success. And we go, oh, my God, their life is amazing. It looks so shiny. It looks brilliant. But often you hear then interviews from those people two, three years, years later, and they don't feel like that. That felt probably amazing for a second. There was an emptiness after. Mm. There was something missing, and, and that was perhaps the the building blocks to get to yeah, that place. It's too fast. It's, it's too, too fast. It blows up, and then it blows up. Yeah. <laughs> you mm. know, it's, it's like the, the real stuff. Play the long game in everything, in life, in your goals, in your relationships. You know, don't just be brilliant for a night. Yeah. You know, be kind 20 years on. You know, yeah. Don't just be great for a moment. Be there in the big, you know, everything in nature says the same thing, doesn't it? You know, what it, I mean, the thing is success. That stuff isn't success. I mean, you and me know that more. That That is, that is not success. You know, success really can only ever be measured in terms of our relationships. You know, I mean, I meet enough, you know, you, you, if you meet a billionaire and, and his kids don't speak to him, can you really say, tell me, you're a, is that a success? You know, you've won the most Oscars in the world, but, but your wife hates you, your kids hate you. You know, is that really, you know, our relationships are always the, the benchmark. It doesn't have to be your one's marriage, but it can be our friendships and our depth of, and, and rooted in other people as well, rather than about our own trophies. Yeah, and that doesn't have to be, uh, you know, you've got a thousand friends and you're out partying every no. night. It's like you have really decent one-on-one relationships. It yeah. could be with three people. Yeah, one. One, yeah. You're, you're, you're rich. You're successful. You've you're, you're done it. You're, 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 your heart is happy. Mm, yeah. It <laughs> it's is how everything. we're made as humans, isn't it? All yeah. about connection. Everything yeah. is about connection. 
Yeah. And I mean, that's obviously an incredibly important part when you are on an adventure or you're leading a team. If you don't have those dynamics in place, it will not work. You can't go out there alone yeah. to succeed and fight and get and win and get the, there the, first. The wild laughs at it. Yeah. The laughs at our aspirations to be the first to a summit, to plant a flag on this, to mm. conquer that. You're never conquering anything, you know. The, I mean, the, the real reason I love my job and have done it for so many years is always rooted in the relationships. You know, those guys, those camera teams, I work with the same guys I started from day one. And as you know, in the world of TV, that's very rare to keep very. the same. They are the, they, we've seen each other have families, get together, have kids. You know, it's like there's a depth and a trust when you're, you're each other's lives and each other's hands every day. And the dyno, every time when we have these folk on Running Wild, they come away, they go, wow, do you know what I worked on? You know, this Mission Impossible movie for nine months. And yet... There's stronger bonds and dynamic in what I've just experienced in 36 hours with you guys than anything we had in that. Because because there's an intensity there. There's a there's a trust. There's a love. There's a care. There's history. You know, broken warriors. I'm not saying everyone's perfect. Everyone's you know we're all broken messes a lot of the time. But we've got each other's back in the big yeah. moments. And there's a power to that. And that translates to families and to friendships. And and, and it's a huge part of my motivation for for my job and and it happens also with the guests you create great bonds you know you'd be roped to someone 24 hours a day you, you get close yeah <laughs> yeah it's brilliant that's why your shows are so loved because I think it's there's the adventure side but it's also seeing that like seeing the connection with you know possibly even a stranger someone you've never met before but having that experience is you know we're sort of all living vicariously through that I think a lot of the time it's it's brilliant and this is such a, a, a helpful book. I think people really love that it's bite-sized, that you can do these two days and, and think about that theme and have that self-reflection. I think it's um, it's just a brilliant read and I and I loved it. So thank you so much for writing it and thank uh, you for yeah, being yes, here today. Yeah, so it's no, it's no literary masterpiece, but it's simple, practical things. Weapons, <laughs> weapons in your arsenal to, to stay mentally strong or we'll do our best anyway. But um. You're, you're an amazing advocate for all of this stuff. You live and breathe it. Wonderful mum, champion of what you do. Keep going. <laughs> Thanks, Bear. Thank yeah. you. There you go. As Bear says, loads of weapons in your arsenal to stay mentally strong. Thank you so much for that chat, Bear. I had such a bloody great time, actually. We laughed a lot. What a brilliant, brilliant man. And his great book, Mind Fuel, is out now. More good stuff next week, so make sure you're back here for that by clicking the follow button wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can follow us on Instagram too. I hope you're already over there with us, but if you're not, we are at Happy Place Official. And we always love, love, love hearing what you're up to and how you're doing. So jump over and say hi. Okay, a massive thanks again to Bear, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and to you, you gorgeous lot. I love you. Imagine. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.